Now would be a good time for a history lesson. I was imbibing alcohol legally. All right, guys. I think that Freudian slip means that you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. And it sounds good. This is Clank Dealosa, and you're listening to Discography Discussion. Change the channel, and I'll break your fingers. All the sugar dozen is 15. <laughs> What's up? This is Scott Mellinger from Zayo, and you're listening to Discography Discussion. The Fear's my favorite Zayo record. This is Chad Kent from Adam Ship. What's up, everybody? This is Max Cavalera, Soul Blight, and you're listening to Discography Discussion. Stay metal. This is Andrew Schwab from Project 86. This is Jason Wisdom of Death Therapy. Hey, everybody. This is Jared Montague, the former drummer of Taproot. What's up, guys? This is Joshua Toomey of the Talk To Me podcast. This is Toby Wright, and you're listening to Discography Discussion. Uh, this is Lauren. Jenny. And this is Matt. And you're listening to Discography Discussion. This is Vaughn Gregory from Grey Forsaken. Hey, this is Trey from Rip. Hey, guys, this is Scott Bowling. Good company. Yo, it's James from Cinemassacre on Discography Discussion. Yeah! This one activates the pit. What was that shit about Vietnam? Shut the fuck up, Donnie. You're out of your element. I'm not big. I'm not, like, important. But at the same time, I ain't kissing anybody's ass. What's up, guys? This is Alfonso from Heartsick. Hey, everybody. This is Rob Rivera from Nomport. Hey, this is Steven from Unteachers, and you're listening to Discography Discussion. This is everything you like, all at once. You have a better chance of growing a shark on your asshole. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Thanks, Jeff. I bought the holy fucking shit edition of this. So fucking what? Cool. Hey, this is Brandon Kelm from American Standards, and tonight we're going to talk about the almighty Norma Jean on Discography Discussion. It's a hard word to say, Discography Discussion. There we go. Better that time. And if Memphis shall be laid to waste from all the dancing around, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Jeff. This is Brandon Kelm. I'm out here. And this is episode 100 of Discography Discussion. Talking about the mighty Norma Jean. 100. How did we pull this off? We just showed up week after week 100 times. It's literally all we did. Brandon helped. Yeah, I think I showed up three or four of those times, so that's a, that's good, right? That's the normal band guy thing. Shows up to three or four of the practices and skips the rest. It's a lead singer thing. <laughs> hey, it, honestly, when it comes to lead singers, I probably carry more of the, the gear than anybody else because my talent is way down here, so I know I have to, like, overcompensate. Oh, no, dude. Oh, no, you don't do that. Like, you just disappear. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I tell the guys, oh, yeah, I'm just going to grab a beer real quick and then I'll help you. And then, you know, it turns into two or three. What you do is you hide in the van in the passenger seat and put like a blanket over yourself. <laughs> Pro move right there. I feel like yeah, Dan's dude. got this experience. Oh yeah, dude, <laughs> for real. But we call it the cubby, which is the uh, the space between the very back and the very last seat of the van. Oh my no god, no one finds you in the cubby. That's the perfect. So, see, I'm too fat to hide in there now, but back then I was a little <laughs> bit slimmer, so it's a little easier to to hide. I saw 16-year-old or 18-year-old Dan, whatever it was in those uh, those pictures way back. You you, you definitely uh, you could have fit back in the cubby back then. Oh, for sure. And I did. <laughs> but, oh, my God, Norma Jean. So, like, it has been – I'm trying to think of the last or the first time somebody asked us if we were going to do a Norma Jean episode. And I want to say it was, like, in June of 2017. Like, yo, dude, where's the Norma Jean episode? I'm like, oh, it's coming, you know, eventually. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Dan's had episode 100 one planned. One year later. <laughs> He's been having this plan since 
before episode one. Yeah, I mean, it was inevitably going to happen. Did you know it would be like a, a pivotal episode, like you were saving it for episode 100 or saving it for, you know, some big number? Honestly, it was a tie between Norma Jean or Every Time I Die for episode uh, 100. and I would have been ready for both of those. Yeah, I mean, the, the guest wouldn't have changed. Although, um, <laughs> although my good my good buddy John Beatty would probably be pretty upset because he is uh, the self proclaimed ultimate every time I die fan. If he's such a big every time I die fan, why did he leave the venue to go get food and then uh, end up missing every time I die at the uh, Christmas show? Because Riddle he had this. a lapse in judgment. <laughs> That's all. I felt so bad for him. I, I know. Did. I was like, tell him you're an important podcaster. They'll let you in. He's like, no, he dude, messaged me and he said, can you go talk to security? I'm like, I'm absolutely nobody here. I have no pool with this security, but I'll go talk to them. I'll see I what I can do. To them. <laughs> I, not only did I talk to them, but I didn't want him to think that I was bullshitting him saying I was talking to them. So I actually took a picture of security and said, look, I'm talking to them right now. They are not having this. Yeah. They're like, they're like anybody named John Beatty walks in here. We need at least three dudes to jump him. <laughs> He's on a podcast. Don't you know John Beatty? Yeah. The podcast has his name in it. It should be, yeah. Well, it doesn't anymore. <laughs> Officially, we have changed over to Brutally Speaking Podcast. Oh, congrats, by the way. So I, I thought those were going to be two separate podcasts. No. I didn't realize that it's just merging into one, but it's on the, the network, right? Correct. So we're rebranded now as uh, Brutally Speaking, and uh, so that just takes the place of John's Untitled Podcast. And it is now the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Now it's a titled podcast. Absolutely. I'm just waiting for the checks to come in. <laughs> Pretty sweet. Put it in your two weeks. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, time to quit the day, day job. Right. Exactly. You know what they say. Always count your chickens. Right before they hatch. <laughs> right. So, Because <laughs> you know how many eggs there are. But before Dan spends the entire episode 100 cross-promoting his other show, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. How much do we love them? We love them so much that we want more of them. We really appreciate you guys leaving us reviews, and we read them on the show every time you leave us one. But I think we need to do something special. Now that now, now that, that other podcast that shall remain nameless, Roach Coach, did their how 100 many of these reviews. Interviews are, how many of these reviews get you to do an ICP episode? We're not going to do an ICP oh. episode. That's literally... <laughs> okay, a thousand reviews, we will do an ICP episode. Shoot, if Matt Nas gives me 20 bucks, I'll talk about the Great Malenko all night. Will you actually wear face paint, though? Because no. some other people did not follow through. Oh, I will not do that. I would have gone through with the deal. Uh, no. I, I totally would do the face paint. I'm not going to be there for that. I'm sick that day. Whatever day that is. 1,000 reviews. Uh, but no, if you guys give us 100 reviews, we're going to do something that also requires face paint. Mudvayne? We're going to do Kiss. Kiss? <laughs> we get 100 five-star. Well, it doesn't they don't have to be five stars, but you get a, give us 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. 
we will do a kiss discography discussion all right i think chris is gonna make like a hundred different usernames maybe (laughs) maybe but he may not be happy with the result because just because we're doing the episode doesn't mean we're gonna be particularly nice about it Ooh. do you already know what member of kiss you're gonna be uh me are you gonna be a kitty cat I could be, I don't know. Peter Chris? I kind of feel like I could be Gene, right? I'm going to be Starman. I'm going to be Starman. I'm pretty boy. I could be Paul Stanley. I'll be the Fox because I miss that guy. Who's going to be the Ankh Warrior? Brandon. Well, I mean, so, so, <laughs> Vinny, so actually Vinny Vincent said that he would come and do the show with us. <laughs> I'm sure he did. We've got like a handshake agreement that he's going to show up and do that. <laughs> so, you know, we'll just we'll just call him up. Be like, Vinny, come on, do the show. Oh, God. It'd be perfect. But uh, that's enough Kiss talk. Like I said, 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts, and we will do a Kiss episode. That is a promise. Like like a Patreon episode or a straight-up no, no, discography? No, straight-up dis- discography discussion on Kiss. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so get ready for that. Tony might be a little upset if we don't include him. Yeah. Just saying. Maybe. And now Brandon's going to tell us all about American standards. What am I telling you about American standards that you actually need to know? <laughs> oh, if you want to listen to us, pull us up on Spotify. You can tell your Alexa, listen to American standards. Maybe. I don't know. I've never tried it. Give it a try. See what happens. It has a hard um, time in my experience. It doesn't know oh, so what I'm talking it. about. Here's some great deals on some toilet seats. Every time that, yeah. Uh, every time that uh, you, I talk to Alexa at all, I find myself end up just yelling at him. I have no clue why, like, my neighbors don't think I'm murdering someone in my house. They're like, Alexa, I said stop the radio. But yeah, you can listen to us on places Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, and all those other places. Bandcamp. We're doing a tour here pretty soon. A tour in February. So check the social networks you coming close like you're gonna be sleeping in my basement close man i wish you know every time i tell you we're gonna come to the midwest like we swerve and do like west coast or something like we did the pacific northwest with the last one this time uh we're doing let's see here albuquerque uh el paso denver salt lake city vegas it's kind of like a big loop but yeah nowhere nowhere near you this time that figures one day did you guys hear about the uh mayor of albuquerque no he just had to sign a bunch of stuff in for right before christmas and he's wearing a pantera ugly christmas sweater while doing it yeah he's like a huge (laughs) metalhead there you go dan we got feedback on two of our episodes i'm gonna read these in numerical order because if i don't say that dan will accuse me of reading these per my personal preference Guitar Freak 6918 left a comment on episode 29, the Chad Kent interview. Chad is a humble dude. I've heard many drummers in my time with music from Tool to heavier music, like August Burns Red or Architects. My Ooh. favorite drummer is still one that I heard on that beautiful album, Crash of 47. And I'm going to say to that, Chad Kent is the greatest drummer in the world. And Striper is happening in 2019. And maybe Kiss. I'm going to say to that, Guitar Freak 69. 18, was that? Yep. Good uh, good username, screen name. That's good. It's Brandon Kellum approved. <laughs> Sounds like an old like AOL chat room name. That's you too. <laughs> Same thing. Skaterboy69420, blaze it. Uh, looks like AC tweeted at us concerning the ministry episode with Steven Sarrow. <laughs> it's okay to have a little diversity over the course of your career. But these guys, or just Al, seem to have no idea where they want to go. If you like industrial metal with political undertones and a ministry cover to boot, 
here you go. And he linked us to, um, what thing did he link us to? Dope. Dope. He literally linked us to Dope. Yes. Oh, Wasn't one of the guys from Dope also in Static X? Am I getting that wrong? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, no, no worries. No I'm big deal. I'm supposed to know everything. <laughs> no, it was Dope that he linked again, us Dan. to. I hate Dope. I do like Dope more than I like Ministry. That's for damn sure. I like anything more than Al Jorgensen. Yeah. Guy's a straight up dick. So, Brandon. Yep. Tell us about the almighty Norma Jean. So Norma Jean, the way that I found out about Norma Jean was I was actually playing in a new metal band and I went to go uh, print some flyers at like a Kinko's or something. You know, you take the the hand-drawn flyers, you make a copy and you put four of them on a paper and then you make a copy of that because this is from what, year 2001 maybe. And uh, a girl comes up to us and she says, what are you guys doing? And I say, we're, you know, making flyers for our band. She's like, you should come to this show that I'm promoting. And she slides us a flyer that says Norma Jean on there. And I say, what kind of music is it? And they say, she says, it's hardcore music. And I'm thinking at the time, like, when I think of hardcore music, I think of, like, hardcore punk. I, I had no uh, relation to, like, metalcore or what was to become metalcore. Um, I knew of metalcore bands, but I'd never associated them as hardcore bands. It just like seemed like that term had evolved. But so she says it's hardcore, and I check them out. I think that's right before they put out Bless the Martyr. And I was immediately, right away, I said, this is exactly what I wanted to do. We need to drop the new metal stuff, and we need to start playing this kind of music. The, uh, those dissonant chords, or those, like panic chords, I think everybody calls them. Uh, Corey calls them wank chords. Um, that was all over the album. I just said, let's learn a couple of these and base every song off of this. And that's kind of what we did. I'm pretty sure that's a lead singer syndrome symptom because I believe Dan had the same conversation with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything we do has to sound like this now. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work. I'm a stubborn motherfucker it definitely when it comes took to guitar. Me, it definitely took me a couple of months to get up to that level in the vocal department, <laughs> for sure. It's, it's, it's okay. I'm, what, 10 years in now, and I, I'm nowhere near that, so it's good. Well, I thought I was. Like, it's the first time I make a, a Cookie Monster sound with my throat that I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just going to be drowning in chicks now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Perfect. every one of those guys that's growling out there is for sure drowning in chicks. Well, I mean, Josh Skogan, I mean, whew, <laughs> just look at that guy. But, uh, right. you know. Uh, yeah, Norma Jean, I have a very similar story to how I heard about Norma Jean. It wasn't a promoter, but uh, I actually had been a fan of a band called Ludacris uh, before that. And I actually had no idea that they were Norma Jean, you know, like, because Ludacris was just a solid state band. And uh, I think at that point I'd heard like, uh, you know, Zao, obviously, Living Sacrifice, Embodiment, like Spitfire, like those older solid state bands. And as far as I knew, Ludacris was just a band that screamed a lot, but basically sounded like Deftones. You know, like they, you know, they were definitely more of like a new metal hardcore type of band. And uh, it was totally different. So I went to Solid State's website back in my AOL days, and they're all like, you know, Ludacris has renamed themselves Norma Jean and released an album called Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child that and this is the exact word from the website has produced a level of heaviness that throwing myself their previous album never even hinted at <laughs> and uh 
Oh my god, dude! Like the first time I heard "Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child," I was just completely blown away. Like I never heard anything like it before. Because um, like a lot of the bands, like Living Sacrifice and Embodiment and stuff, like they were certainly this heavy, but they weren't as crazy. Like they didn't have that spastic sound to them. Like the only thing that I could really compare it to at the time was like something like Training for Utopia, uh, which is funny because when Norma Jean first started touring on this album, they played a couple of uh, Training for Utopia cover songs. Um, there's even a video on YouTube, which we'll link in the show notes uh, whenever I pull it up, where they actually play a couple of uh, Training for Utopia songs, and it just fits so well like with their set. And uh, yeah, this was just some of the craziest shit I'd ever heard in my life. The vocals were like unrelenting. I remember whenever I got Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child, my, bar- my parents bought me this album at a record, a Christian bookstore. And I got Under Oaths, The Changing of Times, and I got um, Living Sacrifice, Conceived in Fire. Damn, wall to wall bangers. Yeah, yeah. dude. It, like, it completely changed, like, how I looked at music. Like, it was it was definitely a weird foundational purchase. My parents bought all of them. They had no idea that these records sounded like this. <laughs> um, and I remember... I mean, I would, I would argue to say those three albums, too, are all three albums that kind of form that whole, at least the the burst of like christian metalcore bands or i guess as people are saying hardcore bands right um where everybody wanted to do that for a solid five years after that yeah i mean all it's missing is a copy of frail words collapse right you know, like <laughs> that's all it really needed but uh you know i listened to i listened to the album i thought it was crazy and i didn't really know what to think about it and i actually remember that i'd actually seen the video for uh face to face on a christian like it was i keep wanting to say it's called skynet but it's not it's like skyrock <laughs> or g rock or something it was a music video service like this christian cable network that existed back then and i remember my band i was in a band at the time called jelly donut and we played a show at a christian coffee shop called the cave and they had they, they had this cable network playing on the tvs and it was right before we went on stage and i saw this crazy video i didn't know who the band was i didn't know anything really about them but they were like thrashing really hard like i remember it was just like dudes in a dark room and like jeans and black t-shirts and like they were just like just headbanging the whole time it was just the craziest thing i'd ever seen and i was like oh man that's that's weird you know and then we went on and played our (laughs) show and i think i think that show was whenever i was like i'm gonna try i'm gonna try screaming like a lot during this you know and uh it didn't didn't sound good but uh, Joe actually has the recordings. If you contribute a thousand dollars to our Patreon, he'll send you the recording <laughs> of that show. So I was going to say five hundred dollars, and I'll post it to YouTube. Very good. That was kind of my first ex- exposure to that sort of stuff. But then it wasn't until I got the album that I was like, "Oh my god, it's the same band!" And I remember because uh, uh, Buddy, uh, who's sometimes on the show, he used to drive me to school every morning, and because I was in high school and. I'm like, hey, you know, he's like, yeah, we didn't listen to Project 86. And I was like, no, let's let's listen to this band Norma Jean that I <laughs> that I that I got the CD from. And I put it in. He was driving a shitty like old Monte Carlo. It wasn't shitty. It was a really nice car. But um, I put it in his I put it in his CD player. And like he puts we like he gets like a minute and a half into the first song. Uh, the entire world is counting on me and they didn't even know it. And he just like couldn't take it. So he like 
switch to the next song face to face. It was like that, like immediately. And then he's like, oh shit. He flips it to the next song. The Memphis will be laid to waste. And it's like, he's like, he's like, dude, there's just, this band doesn't fucking let up. It's just, (laughs) it's just pound you in the face the entire time. And, uh, you know, there's something about the vocals too. I think where like they, they managed to like, you can tell like, it sounds like he's yelling through a guitar amp like they're heavily distorted but you can still tell what he's saying it like it wasn't like black metal distorted vocals or like the really low quality black metal vocals you're hearing in those bands like you can still kind of distinguish the words which i think made it like you know s- stick a little bit better because you can actually tell what he's saying some of the time if you try to well yeah i mean you, you have to too because the lyrics were not really printed in the book like they were like you could find them, but like the so the the liner notes for this album are totally weird. Like it's like pictures of creepy little kids and um all kinds of weird shit. Like old like farmhouses <laughs> and stuff. But like and it's got the track titles on, but it's all written in like black ink. So you had to like turn the turn the book into like certain angles and like shine light on them just the right way. <laughs> to get the detective Dan here, yeah, because I love lyrics and like here's the thing: I, I was living in a household at the time where like if my parents heard the way this album sounded, like it was going out the window. <laughs> so like, you had to like no you had to have a quick counter yeah. rebuttal and be like, no, he's talking about Jesus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like it was just so so totally bizarre. But over the years, like because I listened to this album, I feel like I listened to it forever, and like it just the lyrics came to me over time like just listening to it like like you were saying brandon like it, you could hear what he was saying enough to where you could start picking up on it and piecing it together and i probably still have like notebooks where i was like trying to write the lyrics out for the songs cuz this is like before dark lyrics you know like you can't just yeah. can't just go online and pull it up you know and uh i remember being like oh my god this is crazy but then like the lyrics are so weird and abstract anyway that he, like if your parents were like is this christian music you kind of didn't really know like cuz it, it like it is there they like there are christian undertones to the to the lyrics but like this is me saying that like 10 years later or however many years it's been and what was this 2002 2002 shit so it's not 10 years it's fucking 16 years later you know and i'm only just now getting a grasp on what the fuck they were talking about on this record yeah i felt like of the lyrics that you could easily distinguish they all sound very dark and like angsty like if you didn't know this was a christian band you could have easily thought it was secular like oh, yeah. I, so, I mean it sounds like you were probably already listening to quite a bit of you know solid state and tooth and nail stuff by this time so you probably knew going into it but i would definitely say that like a lot of people going into norma Jean probably had no clue that they were a christian band unless they were actually digging for it to find out oh yeah i used to get in arguments with kids at shows all the time like i was like no dude they're they're christian and they're like, no, 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 I'm pretty sure I heard Josh say fuck on stage. I was like, no, you didn't. He didn't say that. If he said fuck, no, then I'd have to Christian. like. He would never yeah, say that. Yeah, watch your fucking language. But like, <laughs> I mean, this record was a huge breakthrough in the secular market as well as the Christian market. Because, I mean, for Christian music, it was just like nobody would really heard, ever heard anything like this. And in the secular world, it was kind of the same thing. Like they had such an original sound. It was, like, so dark and so gritty. Like, everything is soaked in, like, 20 pounds of bacon grease. Like, everything you hear is just... Tasty? Yeah, dude. Like, (laughs) because, I mean, as far as I know, the way this album was recorded, 
they just went into the studio, plugged their shit in, and recorded the album. Like, it wasn't a whole bunch of, like, copy-paste shit. No clean vocals at all. No choruses. Nothing that you could really even describe as catchy, necessarily. I don't know, dude. Aaron Weiss does a run, and at the end of Memphis will be laid to waste. I was going to say, was this the first time that you heard from Aaron? Like, is this the first yeah. time you heard, like, Me Without You? Or did you hear Me Without You before Normandy? No, I heard I heard this first. And me I didn't too, know, like, because, I mean, when you're a kid, you don't really, like, make those connections. Of, like, oh, this must be a guest vocalist. I, I just thought it was Josh doing it, you know? Like, I didn't know, you know? Yeah, and, so this was the first time that I heard uh, heard Aaron Weiss. And then I, I went through, and I think, uh, I think A to B Life came out the same year, actually, in 2002. Yeah. And and both of those albums went on to be two albums that to this day I hold up as like some of my favorite albums, like probably within my top twenty albums, maybe even top ten when it comes to like heavy albums. Yeah, like this record was a big deal. I'm gonna try not to spend the entire episode talking about just this record. But like it was <laughs> just I mean fuck, dude. It was like the best thing at the time. Like I remember how big of a deal Norma Jean was. Like everybody was like Norma Jean this oh my god like Norma Jean came to town last night and they like burned the whole fucking city to the ground you know like it was just like you didn't know like I remember hearing stories about Josh how he'd just like you know he'd jump up on an amplifier and then jump even higher and jump into like the rafters of the ceiling and like have the mic wrapped around his neck and just be like crawling up and down and like it just you didn't see that you know like every band that I ever seen before that they just kind of stand there and headbang on stage you know, but like when with Norma Jean, they're just like all spinning around in circles, like jumping up and down and shit and like thrashing everywhere, running across the stage. Nobody even knew what Josh was doing. He was like hiding behind amplifiers and shit, like jumping off into the crowd. And like he was just fucking crazy. So I'm kind of curious, like if you if you did listen to Ludacris before this, how does this because Ludacris was like what, like 97 through 2000, 2001. Like, how does that compare to what this era or this album was solid state had it right dude nobody could have predicted that Ludacris was going to be norma jean like nobody was going to predict that because Ludacris sounds like deftones like for the most part they sound just like the deftones only the vocalist screams and josh didn't even scream the same way in Ludacris that he does in norma jean because like norma jean like you associate that with like the deep guttural vocal but on throwing myself, he screams like kind of like a raspy. Um, I don't want to say it's like Zayo because it doesn't really sound like Zayo, but it's that throaty, higher pitched raspy scream. <laughs> and the music again, like there's like turntables and shit in Ludacris. There's clean vocals. Like throwing myself is a cool album. There's like two really good songs on it, and there's one song on that album called Light Blue Collar. Most people, if they've if they've heard anything by Ludacris, they've heard they've heard Light Blue Collar, and that is probably the closest hint of what you're gonna get with Norma Jean, just like a year later. And and what takes uh, Ludacris to Norma Jean, where Norma Jean now like has this big buzz? Is it like a change in label, in your opinion? Is it like they just completely change their sound? It sounds like what you're saying. Like their live shows now just insane. Like what makes them go from Ludacris to, to Norma Jean? And, and I guess like also like do they just go to it because I, maybe actually the rapper Ludacris or is it, you know, some other reason? I, I personally haven't even looked into it. 
they changed their name because of the rapper. This was when this is when Ludacris the rapper was really starting to get big. Fair. And now they weren't they didn't spell it the same way. They were Luti L U T I Chris K R I S S. I mean, both being from so Georgia, I can funny. see how that'd be confusing. Yeah, so they changed their name to Norma Jean, which I believe Norma Jean means like in Latin or something like patterns of God's grace. So they went with that because they were still like really good Christian boys. <laughs> back then and they were like i remember them talking about jesus on stage and stuff and um they did all that stuff that christian bands do that kind of annoys people <laughs> but Preaching. Uh, but but again norma jean was so cool that people didn't care and bless the martyr and kiss the child it's the latest album by Ludacris. the band just has a different yeah. name if you Correct. look at it that way this is the result of everything they did before well it kind of is but like it, it isn't because like I hear a lot of Coalesque on this record, and I didn't hear any of that on Throwing Myself. So it's like they just changed influences. They went in a much more like Coalesce, Converge type of direction that they, you'd never even really heard on Throwing Myself. The only thing that's really extreme about Throwing Myself is the vocals. And again, they don't even, they don't even sound like they do on Plus the Martyr. And to say like four, four or five years of the band Ludacris is like, that's pretty significant in band years, right? Most oh, bands yeah. are a couple of years, so, and especially back then. So to say they did that for four or five years, and then this was really what made them break as a new, a new sound, a new name, and everything. That's it's. I mean, it's kind of interesting. And and then they went on to change members a million times since then too. Yeah, well, I think that like, I mean, even in the secular world, I mean, obviously in the Christian world, there was nothing like this. But then in the secular world, you had like what coalesce converge and you had um like dillinger escape plan probably botch botch yeah well we'll talk about i'm assuming we'll talk about botch on the next episode on the next album but uh yeah like botch was um completely like a huge influence on this record and the next record but uh there's a couple things we need to talk about because we got to wrap up our talk on bless the martyr we're going to talk about it the whole episode um (laughs) Basically, um, during the Bless the Martyr album cycle or the the tour cycle or whatever for this album, Josh Scogan, the fucking powerhouse lead singer, this dude that we all loved, because, I mean, there's no denying his vocal delivery is almost inhuman on this album. I mean, it is just incredible. He leaves the band. Just one day before a show goes, hey, guys, I need to talk to you for a minute. I was talking to Jesus. Jesus was like, hey, Josh, you need to leave Norma Jean. And then he gets up on stage that same show and is like, hey, guys, I was talking to Jesus. And he said, I got to leave the band. So that was his last show with the band. And he just drove the fuck home in the middle of a tour. What do you think the real reason is behind that? Because going off of what they did after this, although the style did change a little bit, it doesn't seem like it changed enough for it to be like we had complete creative differences, in my opinion. Like, what, what do you think, like, the underlying... Or do you think it truly was just, I was talking to Jesus, I've got to get out? Honestly, I don't know. Because, I mean, at this point, they've worked for four or five years. They're starting to get some buzz. Uh, they're on a, you know, a label that makes sense for them. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. It, to me, it seems like career suicide, but like we know that obviously it was not that for him. Um, I don't know if it was like a cool factor. Like 
if he had some kind of like long term game plan where he was like, I just put out the best fucking record of my career. If I quit now, people are gonna follow me to my next project. You know, because like maybe he, maybe they could have put out like three more Bless the Martyrs, but what are the odds of that? Do we know? Did did Josh was like who actually formed Armageen? Do we know that? Is it is it Josh or is it like one of the other guys? Or Josh was a big part of it. I mean, he was the singer of Ludacris from the beginning. Like they were all part of a youth group and all that. I don't know all of the history on that. I don't know if I'll ever hear it unless we have Josh himself on the podcast and we can ask him, but um, which I'm totally down to do. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, is that like, I think if you take the religion aspect out of it, it has to be the five-year plan. Though, where do you see yourself in five years? And I think he thought, well, if everybody loves Bless the Martyr and they love me, they're going to listen to whatever it is that I listen to or, or, or they're going to listen to whatever it is that I come up with next and many of them did yeah dude, but they I did. didn't stop listening to norma jean yeah i did oh i mean people were pissed i remember because they were like because like when he when josh quit and started the chariot you know we were like you know what, oh my god what's gonna happen like people were pissed off they're like norma jean's not gonna be as good or whatever but i remember thinking like i'm totally okay with like if they get another good singer that like now i've got two cool bands to listen to you know, instead of just one. And, um, yeah, like it might have been Jesus. Maybe Jesus was giving him the five-year plan. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that at all. But, like, it makes me think of uh, at the drive-in. Yeah. Yeah, very similar. That's that's kind of the vibe I got. I mean, it was the fact that everybody was still popular afterwards, which is highly unusual that whenever you have one band that's starting to get a lot of buzz and it's essentially splits off and you get two separate bands and they're both successful that doesn't happen very often no normally one entity is way more popular than the other if any of them are popular at all but yeah you you guys uh you guys are loving on uh bless the martyr kiss the child every time i think i'm gonna say something Dan just keeps going on and on and on about Dude, his, I fucking his, his, love this record, man. His pure love. It's just like when that's the reason why I'm not saying anything because it's not like he's he's not being a jerk about it. He just genuinely loves this album. Like he has so much passion for it that I don't have. Guys, it's been 40 minutes. We got to talk about the other albums. I, I feel like I'm there with you too, Dan, but I also feel like going into Oh God, The Aftermath, it had to be a hard year or two for Norma Jean to like yeah. really figure out what they're doing after that and I had no clue that during that time they had a guy that wasn't Corey singing for him yeah they uh, really I was kind of curious if you knew anything about that the Brad Norris was, was Brad Norris yeah I remember that and I actually saw him and I there I don't have anything to say other than he did fine you know what I mean like he, he sounded all right live he sang the songs I remember they actually played a few songs instrumental they played a few album a few uh shows instrumentally and they would let people come up from the audience and sing the songs. That's cool. <laughs> Dude, There's actually so cool. a video on YouTube of a local show in St. Louis where they did that. And the only vocalist the entire show was Aaron Weiss coming up to do his part for Memphis Will Be Laid to Waste. Was Dan Terry. No. Uh, if I'd have gone to that show, who knows? Maybe I'd be the lead singer of Norma Jean right now. <laughs> 2005. Oh, God. The aftermath. So there was a lot of hype about who the new singer was. Who is this guy? All we knew, or at least I knew, is this dude named Corey Brandon. However, I knew who he was because <laughs> I was a big fan of Living Sacrifice. 
And I knew that this dude named Corey Putman, who was the brother of a guy named Matthew Putman, Matthew Putman played percussion for a living sacrifice when they were doing their hammering process and uh, conceived in fire. They had an additional percussionist on stage for those albums. And uh, Corey actually played guitar for living sacrifice for a few uh, for a few tours or a few shows. I don't know what the exact is. If we can ever get Corey on the show, we'll ask him. But um, the thing is, is that he was actually supposed to replace Bruce as the singer of Living Sacrifice. Really? At one point. I need everybody to take five seconds to think about what that would have sounded like. It would have been interesting. <laughs> but uh, Corey's actually said in interviews that whenever he went to sing for Living Sacrifice, he, like, couldn't do it. Like, it was like another Jesus thing. Like, it, like he wasn't supposed to sing for that band. And so he joined Norma Jean as their lead singer. And I remember all the hype. Everybody was like, oh, my God, who is this guy? Corey Brandon, you know, who is he? Like, what does he sound like or whatever? We didn't know for the longest time. We knew that Norma Jean was in the studio recording a new album. We knew that it was going to be called Oh God, The Aftermath. And they finally released a song on a Solid State Records compilation. And the song was called In Reference to a Sinking Ship. And it's not even the album version. It's a different recording. And I remember hearing Corey's vocals on that for the first time and thinking as soon as he opened it up with like, oh, my God, you know, like he went into it like really like it really went for the throat. I remember thinking like this might be OK, <laughs> you know, like the, the everything might be all right. And then he starts singing too. he does this like cleaner type of chorus or whatever. It, but it wasn't like a clean chorus. Like, it just sounded like a dude yelling into the microphone, but, like, not doing his, like, demon scream, you know? And I was like, well, I mean, it's kind of a clean vocal, but it's also kind of not, you know? Like, it's it's this weird middle ground. And I remember reading an interview with one of the members of the band. It goes, yeah, there's a lot of that on the album, but, like, it's not, like, it's not, like, cleaned up pop singing or anything. It's just, you know, it's, like, manly, like, you know, like... How you yell at your kids? How you yell at your kids? Yeah, like it. You know, it's like not exactly. It's not exactly melodic, but it. You know, it's cool. It gave me a bit of a, like it definitely wasn't radio rock. It wasn't like butt rock, but it gave me at that time. It, and maybe this is only in contrast or comparison to the prior album. But when he sang, it gave me a bit of a new metal vibe, which I was kind of on the opposite path, like. I came from new metal and I was going towards more extreme stuff. So when he started singing, I start. It, it gave me those vibes of, especially in uh, in this album, and then going into Redeemer. Like it, it felt a little more like new metal singing in a hardcore band or a metalcore band. Yeah, yeah, I could see that a little bit. I didn't take it that way because, dude, I was so like on the Norma Jean dick at that point <laughs> that like I was okay with whatever they were going to give me. And this record I mean, does I don't sound say that in a bad or derogatory way. Don't get me wrong. No, no, it just is what it is. Metal. Yeah, and it was a hell of a debut because this is like the hardest screaming we've ever heard from Corey Brandon. Like, if you want to, if you want to be like, when did his voice sound the most extreme? It definitely did on "Oh God, the Aftermath." Essentially, I mean, when he's when he doing his prove, version right? of "Bless the Martyr." Well, I had gotten to that point because I was trying to be a good hardcore singer. So, like, I would warm up to, like, Bless the Martyr. I could sing the whole album at one point. And, uh, like, in my basement, like, it was probably really pathetic now that I say it out loud. But, like, 
it in I your could basement sing, or your parents' basement? My parents' basement. Oh, so that's even better. I could sing. I could sing. Dad, Bless the shut martyr. the hell up, dude! <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously, I could go for like a whole hour and just. Son, do, are you okay down there? Do the whole album, and I remember trying to scream like Corey on "Oh God, the aftermath," and like it almost made me want to puke. Make sure you wipe your belt when you're like, finished. Mom, I'm practicing my art. <laughs> like his, but like his his vocals were so guttural at times that like I I really wanted to puke. Like he extends notes for like well not, they're not really notes it's all screaming but like when he screams like for like really long periods of time like it really just like upset my stomach a little bit like it was hard it was hard to do and then like I tried to, to do his singing vocals which I quickly gave up on like I couldn't do those and. Um, I remember this record just being really um, extreme, but it was definitely one of those, like, it's still a super heavy record. It's super aggressive. It sounds a lot like botch, but I'm okay with it. I remember thinking, like, okay, it's fine. Norma Jean's still a cool band, and Josh has this chariot thing going on on the side, so, like, if I want to hear that, I can go and listen to that, um, which we'll get into the chariot in another episode, but, like, episode 200. But, uh, <laughs> no, like... It definitely, um, I was like, okay, this guy's really cool. I like him. I'm on board, and I'm interested in what the band's going to do from here on out. I mean, this is also, like I said, I think this is where Corey comes in. He has to, he probably feels the uh, the weight of filling the shoes uh, of Josh before him, so he has to come in heavy, and they're in a, like, a transitionary phase where now I'm assuming there's a, like uh, an inkling of like we can actually throw some choruses and throw some structure to this um so i mean I, I i do think he came in heavier than than the band ultimately went not to say they're not heavy now but um like i said i think this was a transition into showing us something that we haven't seen for norma jean also very uh interesting song names where the song names are kind of all uh you know puns or split up words and that's one thing that's interesting to me about Norma Jean as a whole throughout the albums you're not sure as a listener who's in charge the first record Bless the Martyr it has those elaborate song names if you look at the chariot that clearly was a Josh thing or at least it appears to be that it makes sense that on Oh God the Aftermath they would do that just to keep the same feeling for the fans this is something they expect so we have to have these long names so that was Corey kind of doing his Josh thing but then you have these semi-melodic choruses thrown in at the very end and as we go on the sound changes more and more for better or for worse depending on how you look at it for me it's a progression in the art that would be there even if the original lead singer never left and none of the members were replaced, it would have been exactly the same from the listener perspective. I do have one thing to add that I, I find kind of interesting since we keep referencing uh, botch all the time. The dude that did the producing, engineering, and mixing on this album uh, actually has worked with, with botch. Uh, that explains sense. everything. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, well, that kind of... We, we were kind of putting two and two together without even realizing it. This is one of my favorite things, but can I disagree with Joe for a minute? Uh, I don't think that this does sound like it would have sounded if Josh had been in the band. I think sonically, as a listener, I think we probably would have got that first Chariot album in some form 
from Norma Jean. Because, oh God, the aftermath, the only negative I can really say about it, it is the cleanest sounding Norma Jean album. It is, like, compared to Bless the Martyr, which was, like, soaked in distortion and feedback, oh God, the aftermath is still crazy. It's still spastic, but it sounds super clean. Super, super squeaky clean. You know, this this may only be... Um like looking at it in hindsight but i and i don't mean this in a bad way to to the other members of norma jean but i almost feel like the the rest of the the guys playing the instruments in norma jean need a captain to steer the ship so to your point dan like josh was going to go off and create the chariot like that sound regardless if he did that with the guys in norma jean or he did that with you know the guys that were became the chariot um and then with Corey now and looking from from this album till today it really seems like Corey steered the band in a, a different direction and now has become very much like you know the person that seems to be making the decisions in the band like he seems to be the face and the voice of the band not only as a singer but the person that's kind of leading the direction of the band that becomes blatantly obvious in two albums yeah i mean i agree 100 percent that they was definitely a captain type of situation there's not a lot of bands i think where the lead singer contributes everything like especially not in metalcore but like Corey was or is a really skilled guitarist and he wrote a good majority of the songs on oh god the aftermath so he definitely did steer the band in a different direction now i agree with what joe was saying about like for the listener i think the only reason this album is as crazy as it is is there was a certain expectation built up of this is what the fans want to hear. They want to hear Norma Jean. They want a fast, in-your-face, spastic type of record with long song titles. It has to be that. But it still sounded different enough to establish Corey as, hey, there's a new captain on board. And he owns it really well. And I also think like this album was a pretty... Um pivotal or beloved album like i feel like for a lot of norma jean fans like you're either a blessed the martyr fan um or you're like you know oh god the aftermath those seem like the two albums that people really you know kind of cling on to as their own for me um listening to blessed the martyr first blessed the martyr was always kind of mine and uh i started to fall off a little bit and then i i can't i come back on a few albums later but um it's interesting with the guys in american standards being a couple years younger than me uh, they're very much in the mind that like, oh God, the aftermath is a pinnacle of Norma Jean. Um, and we actually, we did the the 10 year anniversary. They did that little 10 year anniversary tour of Oh God, the aftermath. And that was like the biggest thing in the world for all the guys in American standards. Cause it's like, this is the album they hold to as like, like I said, like the pinnacle, like when you look at this type of music, this is what it needs to be. Well, yeah. And it's almost an impossible, achie- it's almost an impossible achievement in that we change lead singers we had the most hype surrounding our band ever. We released another album, and we didn't fuck it up. Like, it's still beloved. And as far as Norma Jean goes, if you're only concentrating on the Corey aspect of it, this is technically the first Norma Jean album as we know them today. Back on what Brandon was saying, I'm I'm kind of a, a third party on that. I'm the, uh, the weird, you know, Green Party independent because <laughs> uh, I didn't really um, get into them until later on I had somebody uh, walking to the video game store that Dan and I used to work at and uh, they had a uh, band jacket that was just tagged up and down 
Norma Jean stuff, and I'm like, Nora Jones? I'm like, no, 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 no. That's <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? They have like a jazz, you know, musician tagged all over their jacket, and I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. Because so I didn't actually really get into them until um, or pay attention to them until Redeemer, and uh, that actually wasn't even my my favorite album. Let's talk about Redeemer then. 2006. Oh man. So the first time I heard Redeemer was on a MySpace album stream. It was like two weeks before the album came out, and they're like, fuck you guys. Here's the album. Listen to it. Bow at its greatness. It starts <laughs> off as a distortion feedback-soaked affair, which culminates in one of their very first choruses where Corey screams, let's break out the shotguns. We're going to town. And they do. Now, this record sounds more like Bless the Martyr in a strange kind of way. This is almost more pandering to the fans than Oh God, the Aftermath was. Because Oh God, the Aftermath was kind of its own thing. Like, it was still Norma Jean, but it didn't have all those weird, like, feedback-soaked places, like, parts in it. Whereas this album has tons of that. This album is back to sounding super gritty. Like there's just a layer of fucking pork fat all over it. Do you think that's reactionary to the the feedback for the prior album, or do you think that's a choice by the band? Like what? Or I mean, they also this is a Ross Robinson album, so do you think that maybe he was just kind of had a heavy hand in it? I could see him trying to pull the Norma Jean out of Norma Jean because I think by Redeemer we were still basically the same band with a new singer, and the, and I could be wrong about that, but they went they went a little bit back to that sound because like i had a buddy of mine named mike that didn't like oh god the aftermath but really liked redeemer because he said that Corey sounds more like josh on this album and i couldn't disagree more because like this album has a lot of the breadcrumbs that were going to lead us into what norma jean was going to become so this album sounds like a pop version of bless the martyr because it's got choruses it's got clean sun choruses. It's got all the screaming, all the feedback that you would expect from a Norma Jean album. It's got the breakdowns. It's got all of that stuff. But overall, it's much more melodic than anything we've heard from Norma Jean up to this point. From a production standpoint, this is the most chaotic album. Everybody is doing something different throughout its entirety. There are points where I want to ask the members, are you guys playing the same song? Do you feel there's any standout songs, or what for for you guys? What are your standout songs from this album? I really like a small spark versus a great forest. That was mine too. Yeah, that was really good, and it had kind of more of like Corey's more emotional singing on it. And uh, the end of all things will be televised is great because it's like a total throwback to Bless the Martyr, like that song and the longest lasting statement basically sound like songs off of Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child with Corey singing on them. And they sound great. Like, I love them. Small Spark, The End of All Things Will Be Televised, A Grand Scene of Color and Film, Blueprint for Future Homes. Yeah, Blueprint for Future Homes is like the single they released off of this. And uh, you can totally see why. I mean, it's got a really great chorus. It's very catchy. So can we talk about Corey singing a little bit here? Because, like, on Oh God, the Aftermath, he sang, but it wasn't quite like this. It wasn't, like, in the chorus type of uh, type of singing. Whereas in this album, he goes full chorus. 
I will say, and maybe my detriment if Corey's listening to this, I don't think that Corey's voice works for every band. Like, he doesn't have a smooth pop croon or anything that you'd be like, oh, wow, those clean vocals are, like, outrageously exceptional. But you put it in Norma Jean, and it works for some reason. Like, it works 100%. Like, he's not the greatest singer in the world, but for Norma Jean, he's the greatest singer in the world. Do you think he's convinced you as the listener that he is the lead singer and this is how it's supposed to sound? Yeah, because, like, I don't bat an eye at it. I can't imagine Norma Jean without it. The moments when he's singing, and I want to say, what did you just sing? Little mashed potato mouth going on there, Corey. I quit caring about it years ago. If it wasn't there, I wouldn't feel the same way about these songs. Yeah, that's fair. And you know, like one thing that I, I haven't asked him, or I don't know if I would ask him is, I wonder if like he truly, if it was a battle to say that he wanted more singing or more more choruses. Because I, I look at like, as we're looking into the future, when he's, he starts doing 100 Sons, um, and it is more choruses and more structured. Um, if he was trying to always push that with Norma Jean, and it was kind of like a give and take, and this is kind of the pinnacle of of what the balance is, you know, the balance of heavy, but still having structure and still having some courses. Yeah, I think he pushed for that. But again, I don't think he pushed for it in like the we want to sell this many records kind of way. I think it was just like we can't always just play like bless the martyr type shit. Yeah, we did that already. Yeah, there has to be a point where we have to write songs that people are going to remember. Songs that are going to really stick with people and songs that you could have an emotional attachment to. And it's hard to have an emotional attachment whenever you're just feedbacking over breakdowns. You know, it is hard because the the emotional attachment is testosterone, you know, on, on that stuff. So you get a little bit more melody. You get a little bit more chorus on Redeemer. And it if you're smart, you're hearing it and being like, okay, it's possible that this band could go full melodic before they go back to being heavy, and that's exactly what they did. Ladies and gentlemen, yep. The Great Divider, 2008, The Anti-Mother. <sighs> I have zero problems with this album. I think the only reason I can say that is I am not holding on to Bless the Martyr as the greatest Norma Jean album. This album as a whole is great. Knowing that they spent time in the studio in one of the most gorilla situations I've ever seen on film literally shoved into a corner room in the basement that had just been converted into a studio within that week just hammering these songs creatively I'm intrigued by that because at a glance it looks like they wrote it in the studio a la Metallica which is a little frustrating if you've ever seen the making of You've got a guy who I assume is the producer with earplugs in, in the room with them, basically barking orders at the drummer. Do this, do that, do this, do that. And it turned into this. Also, Chino's in the room. Yeah, I was going to say, with this one, they started doing some co-writing with Chino, which is is interesting because, like you said, it went more melodic. So almost where they started where you're drawing those uh, connections to, to Deftones with Ludacris. Um, they end up back in that uh, a lot more than they had ever been. 
I have to say, I like it. Uh, this is the the version of Norma Jean that I, I personally like the best, and I and I know that I'm just I'm on my side of the line. So it's and I know I don't know if anybody else is on the other side of the line, but I I I dig it. I like it a lot. I think Corey Brandon pulled the wool over anybody who was hanging on to the old Norma Jean and said, "This is Norma Jean now. Enjoy." I think there's two ways you can look at this album. And I've looked at it both ways. The first way is, what the fuck happened to this band? Like, I don't listen to Norma Jean for the singing. I don't listen to Norma Jean for the, you know, more melodic songs or slower paced songs. I listen to Norma Jean because I want to fucking dance at shows and I want to punch people to strobe lights and I want to hear him play fucking Memphis Will Be Laid to Waste. And, like, they could play that 12 times, and I'd be totally satisfied. You still get that at every show. (laughs) Yeah. Usually with Josh Kogan showing up at the end. Right. The other way to look at it, though, is that, like, Norma Jean couldn't sustain themselves off of that sound forever. You know, and, oh, God, the aftermath, they didn't. They took a break from the Bless the Martyr sound. Redeemer, they kind of returned to it. On the Anti-Mother, this is, I believe, Corey Brandon, the album. Because he was going for a much more melodic sound. He went for songs. You can hear a lot of like that old school emo aspect to a lot of these songs. There's a lot of 90s alternative rock going on on this album. And it's mostly sung. You've got like a couple of heavy ones. You've got uh, Birth of the Anti-Mother. And maybe that's it. Um, there's there's <laughs> the Birth of the Anti-Mother, which of course they released first because they didn't want everybody to just fucking not by the album but uh the other song they released was a song called robots three human zero which is actually my favorite song on the album even though it's basically a rock song it's not a heavy it's not a norma jean song it's totally unrecognizable as norma jean and i've actually heard Corey say in interviews that this album was necessary for them to put out because it draws a fucking line in the sand and it's funny because, like, with this one, no, like, as you guys talk about it, I do think this is this is the one that could have, or this is the one that I think when Corey puts it out it is what became Hundred Sons almost. This is like to me the probably the the seed of this is what I want Hundred Sons to, or what I want Norma Jean to be. And if it can't be Norma Jean, then I'm gonna make it something else. Uh, this sound. So b- by this time, honestly, I had I had fallen off of Norma Jean. Not for sake of what Norma Jean was doing, but we've had a few albums by this point. I, I got what I wanted from them, and I was kind of heading in a different direction. So I honestly didn't listen. I probably, when it first came out, I might have listened to it a few times. Um, wasn't super into it. I think the first song, like Viper, Snakes, and More, kind of like caught my attention. But it was really that first song, everything in between, uh, which I was so so on, and then the last song, um, which I forget the name of the last song, but I, I know it's a longer one. Those those two were the only two that really caught my attention on this album. Yeah, that's actually uh, probably my favorite on this album. Oh my god, when that little kid choir kicks in. Yeah, and there's like cellos and stuff mixed in as well. Yeah, yeah dude, that's digging it. But go- going back, I, I appreciate this album so much more now. You know, when you when you put ten years on top of it, um, and and I also think that 
maybe something to what you guys are saying is I think this is almost like the bubble of metalcore. Like in 2008 is like they they had to do something different because the writings were on the wall. Metalcore was not going to last forever. And uh, they had to figure out what was next. And maybe this is what they thought was next. Or maybe this is just what they thought. Well, we've built a fan base. So let's do what we want to do. Well, I think they were dropping breadcrumbs all through Redeemer. Like, you're, you're kind of stupid if you couldn't predict this album off of listening to Redeemer. But, like, eventually they were going to go in this direction. And, like, I'm not going to lie. I used to be a meathead. And when I first heard this album, my first reaction was, fuck this album. Fuck this band. What's the Chariot doing right now? <laughs> like, I literally, that, that was me, you know. But then me and Joe sat down and listened to it. We were on our way to a friend's wedding, and we listened to the whole album on the way there. And, like, after that, dude, for, like, two or three months, Joe and I listened to this album religiously. Like, it was like a cult following. Like, we were, like pointing out all the intricacies of the album and just like how it flows and how it's all put together and we just came to the conclusion that it's an amazing rock record put out by Norman Jean because like I was talking about it's not clean sounding it still sounds like I said like that 10,000 pounds of bacon grease on top of it it doesn't sound like a pop rock album but it's a rock album put out by Norma Jean and that was just something that you had to accept this is the new norm this is the band moving forward. If you're going to jump off board, now's the time to jump off board. But if you stick with them and see what they actually have to offer, you're going to find a, a little bit deeper of an experience than you would get with just Bless the Martyr Part 2. Yeah, I just viewed it as like taking back Sunday with balls. So I was totally on board. So how, like, if you had to ballpark the percentage of people that this alienated or that jumped off board at this point, what do you think that would look like? Honestly, I think anybody that jumped off jumped off during Oh God, The Aftermath because Josh isn't in the band. Could be. I'm Fair. not convinced anybody really gave up on Norma Jean because of the anti-mother. I would disagree. Do you think I they're think gaining it's a new people because of this sound, though? Definitely not. No, because I think at this point, the name Norma Jean is still synonymous with feedback-soaked breakdowns. I think anybody that goes in, it's kind of like when we did our Megadeth episode and I like bought this album by the band and it was called Risk and it sounded totally different than what I was expecting the band to sound like. I feel like everybody that was checking out Norma Jean was checking them out on the recommendation of Blessed the Martyr or maybe even an Oh God, The Aftermath. And I think Redeemer was similar enough to Blessed the Martyr that it kept people on board. But it's all the other shit that's focused on in the anti-mother. So I think it's a I think it's a 50-50. I think I think they probably lost fans on this. But I think that they probably also gained fans or at the very worst they retained the only fans that they cared about. Do you think that's what ultimately led them to a year later leaving Solid State? Possibly. I mean, Corey Corey had said in an interview that the reason they left Solid State was because he was tired of people telling him no all the time on like what they could do because you got to look at this from solid state perspective they want another bless the martyr and they think maybe they're going to get it they kind of got it with redeemer and i think they were like well yeah but the album sales are going to tank if you go in this hard rock direction and honestly i think Corey was like well if you're not on board with what we're doing then fuck you you know like i think that was the 
the whole thing because I think he very much was captain of the ship at this point. And he was like, I want to express myself as an artist. And if you guys aren't going to let me do that, then I don't want to be part of it. And uh, I think that was the whole reason why they switched to Razor and Tie after that. 2010. Meridional. Meridional. Yeah. If we do get Corey on the podcast at some point, I'd love to hear how he pronounces the name of the album. This is the one I most regret not being fully, uh, you know, into the, like, not into the band, but not, like, listening to the band as much as I used to because at this point, I didn't even listen to Meridiona when it came out. But I think it wasn't until, honestly, a few years ago uh, that I went back to the album and I said, wow, this, this is as good as Norma Jean gets, in my opinion. Um, and at that time, I didn't even listen to it. I mean, it took me five, six, seven years to even get into it. I know it's a good idea to open a record with a really good ear-catching song to get the listener interested, but Norma Jean has a way of doing something at the start of the album that reminds you of what you liked on the last record, almost as a fisherman with a hook and a really nice juicy worm. Just, come on, you know you like this. Yeah, it won't be like last time. There won't be a hook involved. Come on. Yeah, I mean, this record starts off strong. It doesn't sound like Bless the Martyr, though. And I think that's important to focus on because it's a fucking heavy version of Norma Jean on the Anti-Mother. You know, it's not Bless the Martyr heavy. It's not feedback-soaked fucking breakdowns. It's the Anti-Mother version of Norma Jean playing a much heavier style with more screaming but there is a differentiation there so when Corey has said in interviews that like the anti-mother was a necessary record that they had to put out in order to show people that this is where we're at now i think this album brings back the chaos but it brings back their own version of chaos that they've carefully curated and released for us and again i think there was a little bit of deception in the marketing for this album because the first song that they released they released like a 10 second teaser of the anthem of the angry brides and that song is like a very chaotic song i don't think it sounds like Bless that's the my Mar- favorite song on the album too yeah dude like it's <laughs> no like surprise but it's like it's different than bless the martyr because it's not just like heavy chords you know and feedback it's like it's like heavy riffs but like with like this weird intricate guitar lead guitar work but it still sounds super chaotic and super weird. And Corey screams his lungs out on that song at the end where he's just like, you're not getting under my skin. You know, like it's, it's a fucking perfect song, but I understand that like this song was basically released and teased to get the old Norma Jean fans back on board. Like if you jumped off the ship for anti-mother, you might jump back on board for this album because of that song. And that's, I mean, that's kind of a hard, uh, hard task too, because by this point, the band's been around for, you know, well over a decade and they've gone through, you know, several, uh, different, uh, band members, uh, different sounds. They've experimented with different stuff, different labels. And then now with that song, like you said, if they're trying to get people back, they're trying to get people back that, you know, if they listen to them at 18, they're 28 now, you know, <laughs> or if they right. listen to them at 15, they're 25, they're in a very different point of their life. So it's, 
do they need to get people back or do they need to figure out what will get the young crowd back into them, you know? Yeah, I don't know if this was aiming at the young crowd, though. Really, like, I don't know who this album's for. I, like, I feel like it's for me because I love it. I think it's for themselves. I don't think it's for yeah. That No, that's, that's, that's wise, Jeff, because I think that's, that explains every Norma Jean album from now on. Yeah, I... I don't. I think they make music for themselves, and they li- they leave it up to the listener to interpret it how they feel. Yeah, this is the Corey train. You want to get on? Yeah, I've been on. He said on Redeemer, "I'm going to ride this train to the end." The last song, the last stop is the cemetery. You know, and I believe that a hundred percent. Because I think Corey is still like I'm the lead singer in Armored Jean, so like I like to throw down and do these heavy songs, but I also like to have a little bit more meaning to my music. So, like, the first big single off of this album was Deathbed Atheist, which, you know, for any of the Christians that were listening to the band who weren't sure if the band was still quote-unquote Christian or not, like, I feel like a song like Deathbed Atheist, like, no, guys, we're still the same Norma Jean that you guys love. You know, we're, we're being a little bit more clever about it. <laughs> we're, not being, <laughs> we're not being as angsty or whatever. Because, like, I feel like Corey's lyrics from here on out are, like, equally praising of God but also like questioning of God and I think that's more important for somebody that's going through like a spiritual journey to, to weigh the pros and cons to weigh the situation you know so you and disagree with uh, like blind faith you, you have to be able to correct ask I, those questions right and I don't think that I don't think that Norma Jean is a blind faith band I think I think Corey believes what he believes but is giving us a dose of like reality. Yeah, I think because you're right because the blind faith thing, you know, you're, you're lacking perspective. Correct. And uh, I think that's part of the reason why I, I do enjoy uh, these albums. I actually, I was texting Dan earlier. I I never quote stuff, and we were going back and forth on multiple times quoting you know different songs. Uh, I think the lyrics are very very clever, and uh, they actually do an invoke a a process of thought whereas I think earlier on it was just all about like Dan said about being a meathead and it's just you know having one cool line that everybody would scream at the shoe yes yeah like taking a knife to a gunfight you know like yeah and like that was cool it's still cool it's still dancing around (laughs) yeah like it's still cool But like this is much more clever, you know. Yeah, this is more my speed. I, I as as well. Uh, I, you know, being a uh, one of the uh, elder statesmen that, that's a lot of times it's on the podcast. It, this is more, uh, I, I guess, refined. I think they've actually uh, it's been almost like fine wine. They've gotten better as, t- as time has gone on. At least from uh, lyrically, I've really enjoyed it as time has gone on, and I. I was not expecting that because I normally don't. I normally don't sit down and listen to lyrics, and I, I it really actually made me want to think uh, after listening to songs, which is highly unusual for me. Well, and really, Jeff. I mean, if we can be just transparent as we can be, when I told you like Norma Jean, one hundred, you know, episode one hundred, this is going to be like our, like our fucking peak. You know, this is going to be our pinnacle episode. I think you were like. I mean, I think the band's cool, but I don't understand you guys' obsession <laughs> with them, you know. And then he heard the anti-mother, 
and he heard this album and yeah and i think am i on the right track here yeah i I, because it really um it wasn't until the anti-mother that i really got on on board yeah uh it doesn't mean that i didn't dis that i disliked what was beforehand but i was really uh believing what they were preaching afterwards so to speak i it just it really uh it hit home It, it started to hit more of my uh my emo roots like the original emo stuff i was really starting to feel like i was at home i started to um, make those connections uh that i used to make uh with with music i used to listen to all the time in, in my teens and 20s so you believed what they were preaching when they stopped preaching yeah pretty much and it's mainly because they stopped preaching and they started asking me to think for myself with their lyrics and that is what the message of this album is and a little bit of wrongdoers also i think this album is for the norma jean fan that's been listening for almost 10 years you're not a teenager anymore you're not in high school anymore worrying about little problems real life is here it's time to figure it out and i don't know that that's specifically the message that's going on here but when i think of deathbed atheist i think you're going to have to make your own decisions, not just about what you do on a day-to-day basis, but how you really think about the world. I, th- I think it's a pretty interesting point, too, like that when you when you look at these albums, it's who like who, who is this actually for? Is this with uh, with like, you know, murder on wrongdoers? Are they if they're just speaking to, um, you know, the younger crowd and everything? Are they are they actually breaking through to younger people, or are they actually writing them for people like you said, like ten years have been with the band, and now they're growing with the band? Like what? Yeah, like bringing a knife to a gunfight is something cool that like when you're 18 you're gonna yell, but it doesn't necessarily have substance. You just feel like you're part of it because that's what's buzzing at the time. But but now as you talk about it, you know, ten years down the line they put out these albums. These albums might be something that have a little more substance that you're actually thinking about that you could actually you know that have longevity um not because of one cool line but because it actually has more depth to it because we're all getting older not just you the listener but me the musician can i say this is it okay to say this like i'm an adult how many times can you say this i'm an adult (laughs) i'm an adult now and so the adult in me appreciates that norma Jean has grown with me instead of it being just this cool thing i remember from when i was a teenager because, like, on the Ministry album, we talked about how, like, Al Jorgensen is, like, super old, not a touch, and, like, still thinks he's cool because he's doing the same shit he was doing back in the 80s. That's not the case with Norma Jean. Like, as Corey Brandon has gotten older, I've gotten older as well, and I've gained more perspective on life and a lot of these topics that are talked about on these albums. And I totally get it now on a level that I wouldn't have understood when I was, like, 16. And that's why these albums like continue to be great. Like, because I'm, I'm definitely, I say this so much on the show, but like, Norma Jean is better to me now than they were back then. Yeah, I, I'm going to kind of add on to, to that a little bit, especially what we were asking about earlier on are they trying to get to uh, younger listeners? I, and I don't think so. I think what they're trying to do is branch out from uh, their current listeners, uh, almost like a word of mouth type of thing. You know, they want whoever was, you know, when they were listening to it at 15 is now 25. They want their other friends who are 25 to listen to this. 
instead of trying to get new 15-year-old listeners. Because that's trying to reinvent yourself and reinvent the wheel over and over again uh, for the next generation is just is very difficult to do. And uh, bands that actually, you know, bust that generation gap are so few and far between. Stick with your bread and butter. Focus on who your your true fans are and branch out from there. That's a great perspective. And I'm thinking about how that would apply to Metallica, for example. At what point did they stop caring about what the age group was of their listeners and they just started making records? It quite literally became a business, but they acted like it wasn't. There was a good 20 plus years they were still, at least in their eyes, every 25-year-old male, they were still the favorite band. But Norma Jean says, we know that you like different music than what you used to like and we're the same way so here's this new record that we've made and if you like it you can listen to this now we're still going to play Memphis Shall Be Laid to Waste at the next show last song every show yeah, <laughs> usually featuring Josh Gogan. <laughs> well, seriously, last that. song every show yeah, yeah there's nothing no, wrong I, with I, having I a show closer I think that's respectful though because I think that I mean that really proves it and we've mentioned this a few times but it proves it's for them because that's not a way that you make money and you, you build your audiences by, you know, doing something solely for you and aging with you. You know, you make your money by, as a musician, by bringing a younger crowd in, and and they're not doing that. I don't think. I don't think they're trying to do that at least. So they're, you know, I, I don't see them out there touring with whatever Black Veil Brides or whatever, uh, you know, Hot Topic band is buzzing right now. Is Hot Topic still a store? I believe so, but I don't go to the mall. So but we got sure. we got to move on, guys. We're we're eating up Brandon's whole evening. Um, 2013. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. Wrongdoers. Oh man, wrongdoers. Can you open without saying "oh man"? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. Not on this. I not can't. On this I, I actually we'll can't. The old man has to be in there. Oh man, the aftermath. But uh, <laughs> this album kicked my ass, dude. This is 100% where I'm back on board. So I heard this for the first time and I said yes. Well, like to jump onto what Joe is saying about like how Norma Jean has this way of doing an introductory track that like it's like a it's like a hook with a worm. So like since Anti Mother, I'm into the more melodic atmospheric Norma Jean. So they do that shit on this first track. Like it's totally subverted in that like they don't just release a Bless the Martyr type song first. Like the first song, Hive Mind, is like a long fucking song that's atmospheric, but it's like now what I've come to expect from a Norma Jean album. And I loved it. I loved the buildup on that song. And then they fucking come in with, if you've got it at five, you've got it at 50, and just fucking burn the, burn the house down, like right in front of you. They're like, oh, by the way, we're still that band that kicked your ass back in 2002. So we're going to do that for you right yeah, now. Yeah, that song and Funeral uh, funeral Singer, I think it's called, were both the ones that stood out for me big time. Oh, my God, dude. Like It was like, oh, my God, I'm getting the new Norma Jean that I love, but I'm also getting that crazy fucking uh, Norma Jean that I loved, you know. When you were a teenager. When I was a teenager. And to have all that on one record was just like, not contrived like I don't feel like they were doing it to just keep the old people on board because like 
they should have done that back in Auntie Mother if that's what they were gonna do. <laughs> but like, if you got it on, if you got it at five, you got it at fifty. Is an amazing song. It's like the noise and nothing more. Who's to blame? Who's to blame? You know, like it's just you and I. Like it's just fucking great. And the video to this song where they're like having a fucking kegger at this house. And then, like, they're drinking milk, though. They're not drinking beer. <laughs> and then at the end, it, like, like halfway through the video, they all start puking, like, like puking milk all over the place, like, into the pool, into the... I mean, it's just, it's so cheesy. Like, you can tell they're using, like, fucking fake vomit, you know, <laughs> inducers and all this shit. Like, it's so fucking... Brandon, you need to take inspiration from this. We need to actually do this. American Standards' next music video is the Dairy Challenge. Dude, seriously, like, I will... I will chugging the gallon. I will drive out to your place, dude, and as long as you do the video and I get to be the first one that pukes on screen, like, that's... We're doing that. Um, I would this want is, nothing more. This is amazing, and this song just killed it. But actually, my favorite song on this record isn't this one. It's actually the title track, Wrongdoers. Because Wrongdoers starts off heavy, like you'd expect from Norma Jean. But the chorus is so fucking infectious. Like, I can't get over it. It's just like, we came for killing. Hopeless, yes, we know, but we don't mind. Like, it just... It fucking works, and it's just everything that I love about this band accumulated over time into one song. And, like, when he ends it off with that loud scream, he's just like, you know, and you know I've never listened, and you know that I'll never learn. Like, I was just like, fuck, this is, this is me right now in 2013. Like, it's exactly how I feel about, about all the past mistakes I've made in my life. You know, and how, in a way, I've grown a lot, but I'm also still the same asshole I was the whole time. Yeah, I like, was out in uh, outer space in 2013. I think I was nothing but, like, cybreed. Oh, no, dude, time. outer space is in 2016. <laughs> yeah. That's the next album. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. I'm right. just having a little fun. I'm about to have a religious experience. Brandon mentioned Funeral Singer. That's one of my favorites. That in Sword of Mouth, Fire Eyes. That's, that was the other one that... I dug on this. Did you see the video for that song? No, I don't. I don't watch music videos anymore. Okay, I'm gonna try to explain this as good as I can, but I know Joe's just gonna link it in the show notes. But Sword and Mouth Fire Eye starts off with this dude surfing at the beach, and there's a shark after him. It's very obvious the shark's after him, and so he gets out of the he gets out of the water and goes to work, and the shark fucking follows him to work. <laughs> okay. And like, and then the whole time, like Norma Jean's like in the in the office singing, you know. And like, it's not even the heaviest Norma Jean song, but like, holy shit! Like this video makes the song. This is get work, and then like the the shark like gets a job there. Like you see, you see the shark in the office with his boss, like shaking his hand or whatever. Oh my god! And so like, they, there's this part where like the copy machine breaks. And, like, he's looking at it, and he can't figure out what's wrong with it or whatever, and he's trying to fix the copy machine. And then the fucking shark just, like, walks over, and, like, Fonzie hits the machine, and it starts working again. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So, like, the shark, like, and then, like, his boss comes in choking on something. And, like, everybody's like, oh, my God, what do we do? He's choking or whatever. And, like, the shark walks over and gives him the fucking Heimlich maneuver. And then, like, fucking... <laughs> so like the shark becomes best friends with his boss and like shark becomes like employee of the month and like this dude's just like watching all this happen like everybody at the everybody at the office loves the shark 
and like they're all best friends with the shark. And then it's like he fucking goes home at the end of the day. And he opens up his front door and the fucking shark's just sitting there in his living room. <laughs> and he fucking's like, all right, well, fuck it. And he just walks over to the shark and puts his head down and the shark fucking bites him in half. <laughs> like, it's fucking crazy. But like, Now, is it like some dude in like uh, <laughs> a shark costume like you would see like with... Uh, dude, it's pure cheese. Yeah. It's okay, a- so it looks like some like those idiot uh, T-Rex... Yeah, yeah, it looks just like those T-Rex <laughs> costumes. It's nice. just totally fucking cheese, and it's great. Uh, it's, uh, I'm going to have to check that out, even though I'm, I'm not a big uh, music video watcher anymore. Oh, no, this one's totally worth the, you know, three or four minutes. All right, I'll, t- I'll watching check it, it out. And we'll link it in the show notes. It's Sounds good. It's so great, and, like, it's so powerful. Like, that song is really powerful and, like, makes the video so much more than it is on its own. I mean, Corey is like straight up a melodic singer now. Yeah, and I like it. And it works, but it only works for Norma Jean or, you know, 100 Sons later on. This album is like the perfect mix of their melodic side and their heavy side. And like in 2013, I mean, I couldn't have imagined anything better. And it's an extremely underrated record. I don't hear a lot of people talk about wrongdoers. That's like having your cake and eating it too, because it's the old and the new. It's a masterpiece. Oh, we're about to get to a masterpiece. Uh, I've got nothing other than, for some reason, something led me to listen to this album, like, the day it came out, and it made me go back. Like, I, I you know, I was full on board for Blessed Martyr, Oh God, The Aftermath, Around Redeemer, I started to fall off, and then when Wrongdoers came out, I listened to it on day one, and that's what made me go back and listen to Anti-Mother and Meridial. So I, I think uh, Wrongdoers definitely hit, like, everything I wanted from, from Norman Jean, and made me wonder like why I stopped listening to them, which was was cool because at this point, you know, in 2013, I had you know grown up, matured a little bit, so I was able to uh, appreciate the anti mother uh, anti mother a little bit more than when I listened to it maybe the first or you know one or two times when it first came out. Is it time? It's it time. time, Joe. Do you want to lead us off? You might be here a while if I do. Go ahead, dude. Let's just hear it. 2016. Polar similar. As of this recording, I believe I have had the worst years of my life. And while that was going on, I was calling people 24-7 just trying to talk because that's what they tell me I should do instead of thinking about it, talk about it. And one day when nobody wanted to answer the phone, Dan texts me and says, fuck that, you should be listening to Polar Similar by Norma Jean. And it made it a little better. And it still makes it a little better. This record is a masterpiece. It is entirely different from everything I've heard before, but it still sounds like Norma Jean. I get a satisfaction listening to it, knowing that I, at least I think it was recorded in a home-built studio. That inspires me as an engineer. It's labeled as a rock record. No longer do we have metal and alternative metal. I know every member of the band is new, so I believe this is honestly Corey's vision of Norma Jean. I think I feel the same way about this record that Dan feels about Arbiter by Hope's Fall. I don't know, man. Those are some pretty intense feelings. <laughs> the whole point about this, the fact that this is, there's no, like, I mean, at this point, there's no other original members. I mean, Corey's not even an original member, so 
he has the uh, tenure in this band at this point. Has there been any other band that's really successfully done that? That's been able to say everybody from the first album is completely out, and this is still the band that started what 15 years ago? Zayo, or more than 15 years ago? Yeah, yeah Zayo is the only one that comes to mind. This is fucking landmark. This is somewhere else. Everything up to this point, every time it changed, every time it went somewhere else, or it took you to the next step, or we're no longer teenagers and now we're adults, this is somewhere else. This is their Blast Into Space album. Like, they really doubled down on the atmosphere. Like, the atmosphere was there on previous albums, but it was just there to be there. Like, it was just the way you were supposed to feel while you were listening to it. This record creates a feeling of disconnection with planet Earth. And I just, I can't get over how it takes all of the melody. It takes all of the passion, the 10,000 pounds of baking grease that's still there. And it creates an album that... That's a million watts. That's one million <laughs> fucking watts. Like, that was the one first... One of their most streamed uh, songs on Spotify from what I saw. Yeah, dude. Like, it is crazy that this band is still as relevant as they are this late in their career. And, like, I can't get enough of it, dude. I still listen to Polar Similar, and I, I hear things that I didn't hear before. Like, this doesn't sound that different than Wrongdoers as far as, like, the overall sound goes. But, like, it does. It feels like its own like its own branch of Norma Jean, like something that... I hope we hear on the next record, but I don't know if we will or not. Like, some of the lyrical themes on this album, like One Million Watch is kind of a unique perspective of a man that's in an abusive relationship. Like, some of the shit that he says on that song is like, I feel bad that you're angry, and I'm sorry. I don't care for what it's worth. If it ever comes down to me or you, you're probably going to die. I'm not fucking around. And that I'm not fucking around definitely got some flack, right, on the internet? A little bit, but not as much as you'd think. Like, I mean, Under Oath went, like, full-on secular or whatever. Like, they were like, we're no longer a Christian band, so we say fuck on our album. <laughs> but, like, Norma Jean, it wasn't like that. Like, if you listen to that song and you listen to the perspective that it gives on the situation that it's talking about, the I'm not fucking around doesn't... It's appropriate for the yeah. lyric. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, they're not saying fuck just to say fuck. No, not at all. And it's really weird too because the band did go back to solid state for this release. Like wrongdoers and Merit did blah blah blah. blah. Uh, that that <laughs> album, like those, those two albums were on Razor and Tie, but they're back on solid state. So to have a fuck on a solid state release is kind of different. But like, I didn't care. Like, I mean, I might have cared back in two thousand two when I had to like explain it to my parents. But like now, like I'm an adult and I get it and I don't have a problem with it. And I don't think it's a reflection on his like spiritual well-being or whatever. You better hope your parents aren't listening to this, Dan. They're gonna be very upset with you. They're gonna be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I 100% agree. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a big deal, but I just remember seeing the headlines of like places like Lamb Goat and Revolver like posting you know, is Norma Jean still Christian? They said fuck in a song. Right, even though Corey said and then fuck the in how many section, interviews. Like going nuts on it, you know? Right, I think one of the things, uh, at least 
how it is with my kids, uh, with my teen, my teenagers, is they're on YouTube 24 fucking 7. Y- you know, the F-bomb is just part of the vernacular that everybody uses now. It, it's n- it doesn't have that taboo feel that it had 15 years ago. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why he can say it, and it's not as it's not that big of a deal whenever you look at it in context. It would be uh, it's you know when it's outside of context that you would say that there's a that there might be a problem, and I think that's probably the people that uh, took umbrage with the, the fact that he did say fuck. Yeah, and it feels like more of like an old school line of thinking. I think like maybe the the whole idea of him just being real with it is almost like the same thing as if you if you follow like matt carter and guys from emory with their podcast bad christian and stuff it's like when you make yourself just a real person and and you allow your you know whatever you you allow yourself to be vulnerable you allow your flaws and you allow yourself just to get the level of everybody else i think you have a greater chance of letting people listen to you and what you have to say and i think doing like you know what they're doing with this just saying it as it is saying it as like anybody else would talk about something i think probably brings more people into the message than it alienates it may just alienate the people that are of like the older mindset yeah i think it i I agree with you i think it just alienates the people that probably weren't going to listen to the music anyway because they're just like oh you know that's metal you know it's the same people like my grandmother that bought me my carmen cds when i was a teenager I mean, it's those are the type of people that are probably, like I said, taking umbrage with the the word that he said instead of listening to the message that's being presented. Yeah, and it's not really a popular message either. No, it's not, but it's an important message. And I've challenged it from day one. I don't think he actually says fuck, and if he does, somebody edited out the consonant. Yeah, it's not committal at all. Committal but- being the key <laughs> consonant. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can tell me that's what he said, and I'd believe you if you told me, and I'd believe him if he told me, but when I listened to it, nobody heard it. I want to know where it came from that, oh, it's this big controversy, Norma Jean said, fuck. I'm like, how many times have I listened to this record, and I've never heard it, and I'm listening. But yeah, like, beyond that, though, there's all this weird shit on the album, too, like all these weird spacey interludes. The people. Yeah, or it's like a fucking weird yeah, the British telephone To repeat what Dan has thing. said over and over so far, if we get to talk to Corey, I have to know where that came from. Yeah, I need to know. What's that weird-ass calliope thing going on, too, on one of those tracks? Yeah, too, I don't you know. know. <laughs> I mean, is it a calliope? Is there just somebody just, like, mimicking it on a synth or something? I have no idea, but this album has some of the best Norma Jean songs on it that you're ever going to hear. And the atmosphere that it creates. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. I I would recommend after listening to this podcast, listen to the whole thing all the way through. Like, take the time. Because it's really worth it, and it's a confirmation of everything we've been saying. I love this band. There's not a lot of bad things I can say about it. And I just really hope that we're communicating that well enough to the people that are hearing this. Is that your final thought, Dan? Yeah, I mean, for my th- final thought, I would definitely have to quote Clank DeLosa and say, I want more! You know, I just, I want more albums like this or whatever they've got for me. It's probably going to be fine no matter what it sounds like. Jeff, what about you? Uh, I'm going to have to say I was very pleasantly surprised with the progression and how they they were able to do a really good job of 
keeping you can always whenever you hear the songs you always know that it's Norma Jean uh, but they've done enough to recreate themselves as time has gone on to keep it interesting as well and that's kind of the fine line that bands always try to walk uh, and I think they have done so quite successfully most bands either sell out or they keep doing the same thing over and over again and they can't figure it out and I think these guys you know got it done in spades I'm I think that's musical masterpieces that people ought to be checking out it's this is really really good stuff the Brandon Kellum of American Standards. <laughs> He's so official. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Norma Jean spawned a whole generation of hardcore and metal bands that were using those dissonant chords that were, you know, in the maybe the realm of Christian or, or secular. Um, but I, I think it definitely, you know, I, I, I mean, I can't name a whole lot off the top of my head, but I definitely remember during that time so many local bands that all had just like, people's names as their band name um, that were doing like the hardcore metalcore stuff so i think they influenced so many bands i'm really excited to see what they do next i know they keep posting on their socials that they're working on stuff i know Corey probably is more active than any of the other guys in the band and it makes me wonder now that he's put out the uh, 100 sons album if that's going to be his avenue to do what he's doing in the melodic realm and that means either norma jean goes back to something very heavy like they started or maybe something we just haven't heard yet. So I think it's a very exciting time for them. Um, it seems like with you know 1000 Watts, um, that's something that's got enough uh, buzz that's gonna get excitement and probably bring a new crowd in. So I'm super excited to hear it. Um, I mean, Norma Jean, like I said, going back to what we started with is something that got me from new metal into this style of music, so. Everything I wanna say about Norma Jean I forget when I start listening to Polar Similar. That's how much that album impacts me. Norma Jean is a band that bridges all the gaps in heavy music. Christian band, secular band, hardcore, metalcore, dissonant. I'm sure if you were a grind fan, you could find something in those early records that would lead you across the bridge. I'm right here, dude. And they are one of the most important bands everybody listens to there has to be a reason for that brandon what's your album of the week so what i've been listening to most lately is uh there's a new band called the threats and it actually has um i believe some guys from the chariot in it and it sounds very much like probably like the chariot but maybe a little more punk rock a little more rock and roll um if you're gonna start off with any song i would say uh, rope is one of their really great songs i think one of the first singles they put out so yeah, the threats is it's definitely they put out this uh, EP this year, constant rotation. I'm so excited to see what they put out with their full length coming out. Jeff, what about you? Oh, I've been listening to uh, Jets to Brazil, and the album is Orange Rhyming Dictionary. So if you're not real familiar with the the band, uh, it was an old punk band, Jawbreaker. Blake, the lead singer, he's actually. Uh, uh, this is another one of his bands, and this is kind of like an indie indie rock emo kind of thing, so right in my wheelhouse. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've been listening to Arbiter by Hopesfall a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Album of the year? Is that what that yeah, is, Yeah, it, it really is, and uh, I'm wearing the Hopesfall Arbiter t-shirt right now. Super fan. I drank the Kool-Aid. I'm sorry, the Flavor-Aid. 
It was not Kool-Aid that the people in Jonestown drank. Can't afford it. Was, it. <laughs> it was Flavor-Aid. Is it any mystery that my album of the week is Polar Similar by Norma Jean? Shocker. If you're going to talk about Norma Jean, that's my album of the week. You're lucky it's not my album of the week every week. <laughs> Who wants to sum up 100 episodes of this podcast in three sentences or less? Drunk. Give me your money. Five-star reviews. <laughs> Brandon Kellum. It has been said on more than one occasion that this podcast never would have talked to any guest or any famous person if Brandon Kellum had not sent us a tweet in the middle of the movie theater getting ready to watch the new Power Rangers movie. So I think (laughs) we all need to say thank you to Brandon. Brandon, thank you. I'm so glad you remember that. That's that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. I was uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina getting ready to watch Power Rangers when somehow I stumbled across the podcast and I saved it and said, I need to, I need to listen to this and reach out to these guys. They're like, hey, assholes, <laughs> I would like to come on and discuss metal with you guys. I'm pretty sure it wasn't that word for word, but sure, why not? That's how I Close choose enough. to remember it. <laughs> that memory will get more blurry with more episodes when you get to episode 200 and you've had a, a few more beers. And on that note, this has been episode 100 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money. I need